Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. All right, we're back with another edition of Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry talking about the greatest movies of all time. And, of course, some of the new ones that are hitting theaters this weekend or uh, hitting streaming this weekend. I always like to talk about the streaming movies now. Chuck, this is Chuck's favorite part is when we talk about new streaming stuff. Uh, lots to do today. We're going to count down our five favorite moments in Christmas movies. Uh, we'll talk about that. Count them down. And uh, uh, we got some movie news. West Side Story. Are we concerned about the opening couple of days here uh and so much more as we get ready for spider-man to to hit theaters on late thursday uh so let's talk that and more with chuck curry chuck how you doing my friend i'm doing good let me ask you a question mike if there was any more streaming why don't the studios just send movie theaters lighter fluid <laughs> so they could throw the match on the theater i mean it's we're going in that i'm telling you i hate to start off with a with a rant and event but that's the direction we're going in. I'm going to tell you why. Because Universal the other day, right, announced that after 45 days, every movie they released in 2022, except for, I think, Minions 3 and Jurassic Park Dominion, will go to the Peacock Network 45 days after theaters. Right. I'm going through my TV the other day on my Roku, right? And I was, I was curious. Let me, let me uh, put Ghostbusters Afterlife in the search bar. Three weeks, not it's like 18 days now, and I could watch it on pay-per-view for 19.99. So here's the thing. Listen to me. I don't want to keep going on this, on beating this dead horse week after week, but you're excited to see a movie, right? You want to see it. Even if you don't go to the theater and you, and you, you wait 17 days to watch it at home, seven, it's not a long wait. Even 45 days, it's not a long wait. No. Right. I mean, what what I mean, I'm I'm, I'm I'm a business person and I faced many obstacles and I've had businesses that sometimes no fault of my own imploded because of outside sources. This feels to me like how many obstacles can the theaters dance over here and still survive? It feels like um, it feels like the walls are caving in a little. I don't know how they're going to well, survive it. Plus, we're two months into the pandemic almost and uh, yeah. two years two into years. the pan yeah. pandemic. And, it, you know, the new variant scared some people the last couple of weeks. I only go by my AMC stock and it still hasn't rebounded from. Well, let me ask you a question. You're your your multiplex in your neighborhood. How many screens? Uh, I think there's uh, honestly, I think there's. I want to say there's 24 screens, but holy might, cow, are you kidding yeah, me? That many? There might be. There's at least 20 because there's 10 on each side and there's and there's two IMAX screens within it. So and right um, now they got 24 movies going or 20 movies going. They don't. I don't think so. No, I don't they're know not, that going forward. There's no way they're going to be. I, no, I mean, what can they do with the real estate or the electric bill? I, I don't I mean. They're going to play as many movies as they possibly can, I would assume. But they're, big, they're really trying to rent them out too. they're renting out theaters. That's yeah, a big I mean, because it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't seem logical to have more than six screens now in any multiplex. I don't think so. Eight max, but that's even a, that's too many. Yeah. Well, I 
I, you got to hope it rebounds. I mean, Spider-Man comes out next weekend. Who knows? Let's talk about it, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while, Chuck. For we're not going to review West Side Story today because we're both seeing it tomorrow. So we're going to review it next weekend. I watch bits and pieces at the theater I'm involved in Pocono Cinema in East Strasburg. I got to tell you, from the, the from I probably watch about 20 minutes here and there. From what I see, this movie's pretty damn good. I mean, it, it feels very special. Well, let's Having talk about that, that. It's 20th Century Fox and, and uh, Disney and combining West Side Story. Big release. Eighty thousand dollars on a Thursday night. Ten million. Eight hundred thousand. Eight hundred thousand dollars on the Thursday night. And then ten million coming up here. That's now. what they're projecting. They were, they were, they were, initially, they were projecting between like 13 and 18. Now they're saying it's going to have a ten million dollar opening weekend. Yeah, I guess I read an article on uh, on uh, Deadline Hollywood. Uh, uh, not the uh, deadline. I think it's deadline.com, right? Which is a, a good website yep. for information. Yep. So anyway, they, the article was stating, and I agree, like, why did Disney open this movie uh, in, on December 10th? Why didn't they wait for like a few days before Christmas? I, I don't, I'm confused because... Probably to avoid Spider-Man, I would think, right? Maybe, but here's the thing. A lot, a lot of the audience that they need for West Side Story is women, and they're out shopping, right? People are out shopping. It just, it just feels like they took a risk here, uh, and they might pay the price for, for this release date. Having said that, I do, I did read that most people in the industry feel Disney's going to spend money to fuel it, and they're going to look at this like a two week preview, and they think this is really going to get going. Yeah. Well, Christmas, not only that, Christmas but- on. It's got an A cinema score so far already. Your critics yeah. love it. It's going to get nominated for multiple awards. It'll get too. good word of mouth. So it's going to get good word of mouth. So this is going to play well into February and March because of the, the well, awards. Listen, season. The Greatest Showman had like a $7 million opening and wound up doing what, like 150. Yeah. I mean, um, but that doesn't happen a lot anymore. Well, those, they, that, got, those are more like lightning in a bottles. I think even Mary Poppins Returns often saw open soft and made over 170 million, too. So, yeah. I mean, and that was a pre-Christmas release that played through. So I don't think we're ready to panic just yet. Um, and again, it, 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 the question is, is this is this a, is this the type of movie that's going to appeal to the masses? Like, you know, even in the Heights didn't you know, it, it, it had to settle for HBO Max and and the such is is well, West Side I, I, Story I, relevant enough. If somebody would have told me into the Heights, which was a day to day, HBO Max and theaters would open to 11 million and West Side Story. With Which great is theaters only, yeah. Spielberg and this supposed star-making performance by Rachel Ziegler, that it would only make ten million in theaters alone. I would, I would have bet everything I had that that would not be the case. I would also so it is argue, surprising. Yeah, but I would also argue, directed by Steven Spielberg. We, you and I, both yeah. appreciate that. But as a twenty-five-year-old movie goer who barely, you know, who goes to three movies a year, care if Steven Spielberg directed something. No, was the, they don't. They don't. And, so. and, and here's the thing. The, a sad reality. Do they care about the musical? And we know it's a genre that's I, not an easy sell all the time. It's no, not even even stuff that we really enjoyed, like Into the Heights and The Prom. We both love that. I mean, yeah, I love The Prom. A lot of people like it and, and it's got some status, but not mass appeal status. Uh, I don't know. So, uh, so the superhero movie has really changed the trend in movies. Huh? Yeah, of course it has. And it's not going away anytime soon because next weekend's the big one. Um, the granddaddy of them all. Uh, what's the latest? Uh, you have any uh, rumors, casting, anything that we know that we 
I know there's been some Willem Dafoe floating around out there, actual Willem Dafoe and not Green Goblin. Do we know anything else about who's popping up in this thing that would surprise us? I don't know who would surprise us. I mean, I expect uh, Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Electro. But, you know, uh, uh, it looks like the Sandman's in it. I don't know. If, yep. I don't think Thomas Hayden Church is it, I probably just a sand, you know, a CGI Sandman. Uh, I, I think the lizard's popping up in this movie, too. Yep. So yep. and and obviously they they haven't shown footage of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, but they're popping up. Um, Any. You know, it's tracking between anywhere between 150 to 250 million dollar opening weekend. It's big. Yeah, that's huge. The theater I'm involved in right now, as we speak, we're doing we did three shows today, Polar Express for free. Right. right. We do that to get a lot of people into the theater. They buy popcorn soda. It works. We got a sponsor for the studio fee. Right. Sure. sure. So we're doing it. It's not my decision, but the power, some of the powers to be internally made a decision to do it at 50% capacity, right? Well, is that a so, COVID-based decision? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. Uh, so so our theater fits 120, the main theater, 120 people. We got 60 people for each show, hmm. right? So that's, that's, that's pretty good. good. That's pretty good. That, 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 that's good. Next weekend, we're doing It's a Wonderful Life. That's another internal political dis, uh, dissent, dissension I've had where I've let people do things that I should have been doing and they did dinner in a movie, which I used to do at ten or fifteen dollars. I sub, uh, I sub, uh, I help pay for the food. Right. Now this you haven't, and uh, they raised the price to thirty dollars a ticket, and we're not barely selling any tickets. And I said to them, "Really, you can't go from ten to thirty and think people are gonna pay it." But that's a story for a different day. I'm ve- I'm venting, Mike. So I apologize. <laughs> I can't help myself. We can't help your business model here. We can only talk about. No, movies, I'm, well, right? I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you how it is. All right. Uh, well, it's, it, at least you got the the fifty for the for the Polar Express. Sixty. Yeah. Sixty. Time, so. Times two, and then your first show had like ten. So 130 people came out to Polar Express today. I'll I'll take that number. That's not bad. That's not bad. And you got some mild weather out there. And too, when you right? run so. a nonprofit, when you do, you know, a lot of you know community goodwill goes a long way. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. that's a good thing. Um, we did. Uh, we we lost. Uh, uh, well, I wouldn't call him an actor. I wouldn't call him a movie star either. But I grew up watching the monkeys every day when I got home. Yeah, I saw school. that. Me too. I did yeah. too. And uh, Mike was always my favorite. Mike Nesmith passed away uh, yesterday. Uh, Can I ask you a question? Something just popped in my head. No, you talk it and I'll and then I'll. I'll well, go, I was just going to add. He, he there's only one living member left of the monkeys, which they all relatively died kind of early. I mean, if you if you look at your grand scheme of life, I know 80. Uh, in, in your 80s is, is older now. But, you know, we lost Davy Jones. Well, a long time when Peter Torque. So Mickey's yeah. the only one left. But I, I got to tell you, nothing was better than getting home and watching. Uh, no, it was a lot of around. fun. I, I guess the question a lot of be were they a real band or a TV or a TV? No, band? they like, were. They, you, the, no, they the, were. I know they, they were. were. At first, they weren't. They were they were they used, uh, you know, they used session musicians to do their music and they just became TV stars. And they got so upset with the slack that they were getting. For not really doing their instruments, they decided to become a band and actually do some great work. So, yeah, I, I think they were, were. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember when you were a kid? When you bought cereal, cereal boxes, mm-hmm. there was a record on the back and you yeah. cut it out. Yeah. And yeah. you played it. I yeah. think the monkeys, they used that for the monkeys. I think I'm pretty sure they did. Well, there's like a monkeys some, record. They've got some That's classic music. Cool. Yeah, they got some classic music. And uh, the, 
they they made a couple of movies as well. I too. miss those days, Mike. I got to be honest. Yeah, it was quite innocent. There's no doubt about it, Chuck. There's no doubt about. It. Did you get a chance to see anything new this past couple of weeks here to I, I, uh, talk I about? It, I watched it up to, uh, the coming attraction trailer to Cobra Kai season four. Yep, it looks good. I mean, yep. they really now now they're ex- now. The, the Karate Kid 3 has relevance in the universe, yeah. a lot of relevance. Yeah. So, Chuck, the only thing I will tell you in season three, um, to me, the, and I hate to say this, the karate stuff's wearing thin on me, too, where all these kids, as soon as something goes wrong, they're ready to drop on a hat to just start kicking each other in the face. I mean, it, the, the extension of disbelief is getting a little harder and harder that all these kids want to do is fight each other. And, you know, I mean, some of these kids are out of control. That being said, there's some really good characters on it. I can't wait for season four. And the fact that they're, you know, bringing in some. I, I think I think I think Elizabeth Shue's cameo was just sad a cameo, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was I, fun, though. That was the best yeah, thing. Was about fun, season but three. I, I don't think I, I don't think she's going to be in the season. Not in the trailer. I don't know. It's a shame that Pat, Pat Marie is not around for any of this. Cause oh, heck, it, it would have been a lot know, of fun. You know, you would almost think that they would have wrote. Uh, maybe they'll do this next season. Like Pat Marita had a kid. Right. Right. The cat, right. Miyagi had a kid. And like, it's almost like it's, it is sort of sad that his character in some form is not involved with this show. And I would say that the Golden Goose and we talked, I think, a few months back about it, is getting Hillary Swank to, to do something with the show yeah. would be. I I'm mean, sure that would they've be, tried. I'm I sure would think tried. so. Right. I mean, she's won two Oscars. Does she want to do it? Well, it is good to see, too. Um, Your excitement level for Spider-Man. Obviously, No Way Home has got to be pretty high. It's good to see, you know, Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx and. And uh, and uh, Alfred Molina, they're doing the publicity tour, too. So oh, they all are they and Tom Holland. It, yeah, I'm all out there, but not the not Toby and Andrew. I mean, they really they can't cl- because they have to. They should. If they yeah. have to use that to sell a movie, boy, oh, boy, we're really lost. No, no, that's true. That's true. Although they did bring out uh, Bill Murray and Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd before that. That surprise was out of the bag. And those they, they started promoting that they're in this film. Yeah. Um, leaving only Sigourney Weaver as the real big surprise when you go to the theater that they're in it. Um, uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. I, I got we'll- some uh, I got some this week in movie history. You want to hear do it? it? Yeah. December 7th, 1979, Star Trek, the motion picture open nationwide. It was directed by Robert Wise, a really good director who did West Side Story and The Sound of Music. Instead of delivering a fun action-oriented oh adventure. God. What he delivered was a 2001 snooze lumbering fest. snooze oh, fest, right? Oh my. I remember I sat in the front row for that movie, too, when I was a kid, and I'm like, this movie sucks. And now, what, Ravon, what saved Star Trek? It, it was obviously Ricardo Montalban. And Nick Meyer, the director, to have the, the idea to bring back, hey, let's get Ricardo Montalban, yeah. you know, a villain in one episode of Star Trek to put him in a feature film. Uh, and have him go mono mono with William Shatner's Kurt. What a brilliant idea. And they killed and it Spock saved off. Fran- the- it saved the franchise. It really yeah, they did. killed Spock off. That was a big move, too. That was exciting. Uh, yes. Even three and four are really good. And then after that, I mean, I, who the hell knows? They're all the same. I, I like five. Yeah, but to me, they're all the same. If what's the difference of five and six? I, who the hell knows? But four is good. But, but I have four's I, a comedy uh, and and I love it. Fish out of water comedy, which is really good. I love it. But, you know, there's something special about that original cast. Absolutely. I mean, doing the the chemistry, the bond there is so there. Absolutely. It's it's, it's so much fun. Okay, December 8th, 1978. Deer Hunter opens nationwide, directed by Michael Cimino. 
who did a brilliant job on this movie. And then his career sort of vaporized with Heaven's Gate, right? When yeah, that bombed. Pretty much, yeah. Um, what a great movie, though. Fantastic movie. I mean, it lumbers a little bit in the middle, but it's a fantastic. Some of the performance, Christopher Walken, was probably his best performance of all time outside of yeah, the won an Oscar. And that, yeah, won an Oscar. And that Russian roulette sequence is uh, iconic. I remember, I remember back in the day when that came on cable, like WH, I don't know, it was WHT. I think it was. Yeah, everybody would. Everybody was watching that. They love. I mean, the whole neighborhood would talk about that movie. Yeah, it's a great, great movie. Yep. Uh, yep. This week in movie history, Superman, the movie, December 10th, premiered at a theater called the Uptown Theater in Washington, D.C. That's where I had the premiere. The interesting part about that movie, Mike, which we talked about a lot on the show, is the top billing went to Marlon Brando. Second billing went to Gene Hackman. Yep. Third billing went to the star of the movie, Christopher Reeve, who was incredible. As uh, as Clark Kent and Superman, still yeah. a great movie. Big paydays for Marlon and Gene, right? They they got yes. they cashed in. And, um, and, you know, Gene Hackman has one of my old and I talked about this. I always talk about when I when I speak in front of a crowd and I want to give a motivational speech, I always tell them that one of my all time favorite lines in any movie ever is Lex Luthor's Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor in 78 when he says to Superman, it's not about planning the death of innocent people. It's about causing the death of innocent people. <laughs> how motivational is that one, Mike? <laughs> think about it. Give some real de- think about how dedicated Luther yeah. was. You're right? all in at that point. But yeah. it is a great line. It is yeah. a great, great line. Yeah. Nobody read a line better than Gene Hackman. No. I remember seeing that movie in the theaters as well. And, and I'll never forget that movie. Okay. That's- TV movie, TV news of interest this week, December 19, 1965. A Charlie Brown Christmas ad for the first time on CBS. How could something be so simple, be so special, and last yeah. the test of time? Mike, tell me, yeah. talk about it. Yeah, no, it's uh, same thing with the Halloween one too. The same exact thing. It's just two simple storylines, simply animated, great music, and Charles Schultz just did a wonderful job. Uh, the Thanksgiving one is a great one too, but really it comes down to Christmas and. And that Christmas tree that, uh, you know, that he goes and that, out and listen, gets. our child, our childhood, Charlie Brown Christmas and how the Grinch stole Christmas and Frosty the Snowman. Right? Yep. And Rudolph I mean, and Rudolph. And Rudolph. I mean, yep. very special. Absolutely. Uh, and it, I almost put the, the Charlie Brown Christmas in my top five. We're going to talk about later on when they when, you know, he gives a speech at the end, Linus. And I got a couple other things I just want to bounce off you because I, I don't think you're going to mention these in uh, in the birthdays. You do. These are two people who passed away. Okay, this week in movie, uh, this week in in in, in a birthday history, Red Fox was born nineteen twenty two, passed away in nineteen ninety one. I was going through the channels last week, right on my um, on my Roku, and I was mm-hmm. I was curious uh, about sitcoms, and then there was uh, I, I started watching an episode of of Sanford and Son, right? right. That was in the late I think in the late seventies, and. He was awesome in that show. It's a really good sitcom. Funny. He's really oh, he's funny. So Red, Red Fox so is really yeah. funny. Yeah. But my God, Mike, I was like one episode. He's like throwing the N word out oh, I bet. over I and bet. over. And yeah, I'm like, wow, have, yeah. have times changed? Yeah, I bet. Funny show, man. Funny. And funny here's show. another one. I want to bounce off this one. Uh, this week. December. I think it was eighth. Sam Kinison was born and he passed away. And uh, he passed away, I think, in, in, the, in 91 in a car accident. His scene in Back to School <laughs> as a history teacher opposite Rodney Dangerfield is iconic. 
And now here's the funny thing. He actually was in his, he was 23 years old when he shot that scene. He looked like he's 38. That's incredible. That was iconic. That was classic comedy. That in a theater, in a theater, you never laughed harder. Well, and I got to tell you too, you know, I remember watching. Ah, ah, Yeah, ah, say it, say it. Oh my God, that was Um, so funny. That, and and I remember watching old Dangerfield, you know, when he'd have those specials on HBO and uh, I'm watching Sam Kennison really discovering his humor there mm-hmm. and how uh, crazy it was about, you know, I, Ethiopia and and, and, yeah. and being married. And, and I remember the day he passed away in the car accident. I was yeah. listening to Howard Stern and Howard Stern was a good friend and like how sad and talked about, you know, what a what a great talent he was. And it was that a true. Was a it was that a was true. A and it was a true accident too. It, you know, here's a, he lived the hard life and he, he's trying yeah. to straighten his life out. And it looked yeah. like he was heading that direction. A and, lot of comics, a tragic minds. That's yeah. just, just a reality of it. And then it just so happened that somebody came on the other side of the road and hit him. He had not, I know. you know, it was not, uh, it was yeah. not his fault nor, nor yeah. was he, uh, you know, had drugs in the system at all. So it was really sad, but, uh, yeah, yeah back to school. I mean, geez, that's a, that's a great scene. Uh, when he's just yelling at the girl for, uh, I'd argue a perfect movie. It is pretty close. It is I'd argue close. a perfect movie for and a I'm also, star and I, vehicle I, for a comic. You don't get better. And I'm also shocked they haven't rebooted that with, uh, you know, well, they've talked about it. I, Cedric like 10 years ago. They Cedric the Entertainer oh was attached. Oh, my God. My God. That is a great vehicle. That is a real. That is a that is a that will be. Rebooted that is a. Uh, you no could doubt. put it much like uh, School of Rock for Jack Black. That's his like. Yes, that is just I the, agree. hundred percent. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you get a chance to watch it. You know, Jimmy Kimmel and Norman Lear did the whole live in I did front not. of an audience. Well, well, tell me about oh. that. Well, well here's Jennifer, one. Why was Jennifer Aniston involved? What, I have no idea. There? And the she sad thing is, is that something the, the sad thing is, is that Blair and three of the original cast members show up. Blair looks better than Jennifer that. Aniston does. I heard that. So and she that. looks fantastic. She comes yeah. out and sings the opening theme. What it does expose is the fact that these shows weren't very funny. Uh, different strokes and they lived on the charm of the young kids acting in them and the was energy that stroke, they had. Was that Kevin Hart and John Lithgow? Kevin Hart was uh yeah John Lithgow's Coach, uh, yeah, Kevin Hart was was Will was uh was the uh, adult the adults played the kids roles. It was, uh, it was stupid, a gimmick. No. It was it, it was a dumb. bad gimmick. Yeah. Like I said, the, and then if you listen to the writing he of these on, shows, he played on he played Gary Coleman's Arnold. Yeah, right. Holy I said cow. that. Yeah. And uh, Damon yeah. Wayans was uh Willis. So um Oh All the adults God. and John Stewart played a role. I mean, it just exposes the show as a not very well written show. And like I said, it if you watch the the, the old shows, the kids are what they sell work. it, especially uh, especially Gary Coleman. Gary, oh, Coleman's, Gary Coleman, was his funny. energy and, and uh, pizzazz was what it was all about. If you don't have that, you don't have anything because it wasn't very well written show, either one of them. But it's a nice try. It's a bad gimmick. OK. Um, it's better. It was done better when you had old adult actors playing adult parts. But to have Kevin Hart sitting on John Lithgow's lap is that funny? I mean, I guess it is. I I, I don't know. They have a live audience. They had a live audience. Yeah. Yeah. Not you know. Most of them are just waiting from the screw up their lines and then they'll laugh. And not yeah. many did. I'm sure they laugh when the applause sign went on, right? Yeah, pretty much. And that's the way it works. There were some good cameos to Will Arnett and uh, Jason Bateman pop up. You didn't expect them. Yeah. So there's some. But other than that, I I don't It's a gimmick. There's nothing else on. They can't. They can't come up with any other original sitcom. So let's do this. I got it. And maybe people will watch uh, network television. So I watched it on Hulu the next day. So does that count as watching it on network television? 
Yeah. No, right? No, does it? It does, it does count. count. I uh, I thought for, watching for, on for network say, television. The, if I know it's say, on Tuesday at I eight, it. I have to watch it on Tuesday at eight, don't I? Put your Betamax on. No. <laughs> well, I'm just saying uh, it's the same thing as movies. If I can watch I it the next day on Hulu, why would I ever turn ABC on? I, I don't. I, I, uh, and that's where we've gone, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody's on demand now. Uh, that's no if, doubt if about they that. didn't show these. If they didn't put these shows on multiple platforms, they, could it, not, they wouldn't they, exist. They no, they would not them. survive. Yeah, they would not survive. There's no I doubt about it. I told you weeks ago when brothers, I remember when brothers and sisters with Sally Field on ABC went off the air on a Sunday night. It was drawing 10 million viewers a week and they pulled it for not unlike they kill for 10 million viewers now. Yeah. Live at one time. You're absolutely right. Now they want 10 million downloads. Well, I, you know, different world, Chuck, different world. We're going to count down our uh, five favorite Christmas moments of all time. How are we we're, doing so far? Actually, we're doing pretty good. Let's uh, let's talk about some fast five here. And since Spider-Man comes out in a few days, we already brought up Jamie Foxx. Let's talk about Jamie Foxx, who's seven of 74. He's 54 years old this weekend, Chuck. Um, I mean, Ray pops out to me. And Django, yeah, I mean, an Django. I, I actually prefer him more in Django than Ray. Um, but oh, what I mean, he's pretty awesome as a president in White House down. No, oh, my God. I am I not a Jam- that movie. I am not I like a Jamie Foxx fan. I, I, I like him. I, I don't. I think he's overrated, but uh, he's worked a lot. boy. He has. He's been around a long time. Hey, Living he Color has. was a long time ago. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. He's very talented. He could do a lot of different things. I appreciate that. Uh, I just don't. Some of the roles he picks, I'm not crazy about. How about Christopher Plummer? Chuck, who passed away earlier this year. We probably talked about it a little bit. He's he was 91. He would have been 90. You, you tell he, me. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, he's a great actor. Come on. I mean, I know he played actor. Mike Wallace in The Insider. I liked him a lot in that. He's been around a really long Anything time. Anything he did, he elevated. I remember he had to step in for yes, <laughs> I Spacey. Do. Uh, yeah. I believe he actually got nominated, too, after he, he stepped in for uh, just a great, great. And he does a great uh, work in Up as a voice, too. Uh, in that uh, Ed Asner, too. So opposite Ed Asner. So you get Christopher. Lumber. How about this one? Um, Steve Buscemi, who is uh, who is 64 years old. Steve Buscemi, Chuck Conner, Fargo. <laughs> Fargo Conner. He's, he's, he's really interesting actor, right? He is. He, is. he could do he could do this like in Conner. He's funny. Yeah, he is. He's, he's funny, funny in Armageddon. In Armageddon too. Too. Oh, my yeah, God. He's funny. funny in Armageddon. He's funny in the Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, he like he's so stupid, but he's funny. He's very funny. The Adam Sandler movies are very funny. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Wedding Singer, especially. Uh, that's and listen, good- uh, OK, Boardwalk Empire. He gets the lead role in a drama. He's awesome in that. Yeah. Nookie, yeah. Nookie Thompson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's great. He All was right, great about- in that show. Yeah. How about Jennifer Connelly, one of the most uh, beautiful women ever on screen? If you ask me, she's uh, 54, uh, 50, you know, a lot of people, 51. Her, a lot of people always compared her early on to the next Elizabeth Taylor. Right. I know. Just different. It just never materialized. Into, not not yeah. to that level because a different world, you know, Yeah, different actors. I, I really liked her in that firefighter movie. We talked yeah, about she's last. She's yeah. really good in that movie. I loved her I mean, in the, uh, as the wife in uh, in uh, the Beautiful Mind movie, too. She's really good opposite Russell Crowe in that. Too. Yeah, I mean, she was known to the Rocketeer. Yeah. And uh, Labyrinth. Remember when she was really young? And, and uh, yeah, interesting. Her Requiem for a Dream was a real good flick, too. She was in that. Um, yeah. Real good actress. Uh, she's in that Snowpiercer TV show. She's a right? good actress. Yeah. Real good. Yeah, actress. she is. Um, last but not least. 
Terry Gar, Chuck, who's uh, 74 years old, had a oh, real good career oh, I, in her okay. 20s and 30s and kind of just yeah. went away from after that. Terry Gar, what do you think of? Uh, Mr. Mom. Really? OK. Not- and I, I also think of Close Encounters. Yeah, good because, one. Because the way she count- counterbalances Richard Dreyfuss's character, she does a really good job. Yes. What about uh, what about Young Frankenstein? Also very funny. And her, her appearances on Letterman. Her appearances on how about right, her role? Iconic. In, how about I'm, her role as the girlfriend in Tootsie? She's Hysterical. Always been good. She's always been good. And she's I good. Would, and there's a little movie called Let It Ride that I always recommend to people that everybody's missed. Richard you know, Dreyfuss. that's an interesting movie. I, I, I could tell you. OK, very fun. I, movie. I, I, when I went, I remember here. Let It Ride is one of those movies. I remember I saw it opening day because I used to go to movies all the time by myself. Right. Right. So. I remember some of the reviews were like zero stars. Yeah, a lot of people some, hated it. Yeah, right. But there's some. It has a cult following of people. Some people love it. I didn't like it on first viewing, and it started to grow on me. I love it that grew, movie. It grew on I me. I love that movie. Yeah, having a very good day. Richard Drive is just a really good stuff in that movie. It's never on. You can't see it anywhere. No, I, I. You know what? Until you said it, I didn't think about that movie in a long time. It's it's quite incredible how movies just disappear off the face some of the earth sometimes. Some you do. know, it's really crazy stuff. All right, Chuck, let's talk about our five favorite movie moments in Christmas movies of all time. No, I just want to prephasize. I, it, it's not like I researched this for days on end. Well, you should know five should pop to your head right away. No, no, if you they, watch they, Christmas well, movies I, all the time. I, I, these are the five that I, I thought of, in a, you know, within within an hour. You telling me let's I got a subject I want to have some fun with. Right. And it okay. uh, to me it was very easy to come up with five. And I had I had five. And my fifth one was going to be Polar Express when when the kid hears the bell for the first time, picks out the gift. But mm-hmm. I just watched Elf with my daughter decorating the tree. And maybe it's recency bias. But when James Conn finally sings and the sled gets all the power it needs and, and flies through the uh, Central Park into the city and the music swells up and Ed Nazar saying Merry Christmas to everybody. And he looks back at Zoe Deschanel and wave. That's a pretty good match. You like that moment. one. Huh? I like that movie. That's going to be my number five right away because it just uh, it really it, it captures the spirit of that movie. And that's a Boy, that turned into a real good Christmas classic, too. Uh, well, obviously, it has. I mean, yeah. it's, it's one of the most popular uh, Christmas movies of all time now. Plus, it's an hour and 29 minutes. You're in and out. No problems. All how does he talk about this? How, how he turned down big money for how could you not do a sequel to that movie? Yeah, it's amazing. It just seems right, right? It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, what's well, your number here's my five? number five. I, I, I went I, I went with poignant moments because that's what moves well, me. At sure, this time that's a what memorable poignant, I, I whatever you Maca- want to call it. Macaulay Culkin's Kevin McAllister having the conversation with the old man next door neighbor moment. in the church. Great moment. Right? Yeah. That scene, which was a tack on scene, which they added, they re- they wrote that screen and filmed it after the production was finished. Gives that movie its power. Absolutely. And, and fact, that is my, a powerful scene. And my top four, two at number three is the, the, the last scene of the movie that's built off of that scene is mm-hmm. when the he sees the old man getting reconciled with his Very beautiful and granddaughter and the, the John Williams music swells yes. up and he waves beautiful. and snowing out. I mean, they don't have that. Mo- I, I, I tell the people this all the time. If that ending's not on that movie. I don't know what happens with that. Well, if film. that character's not in that movie. Yeah, true. It's I, not the same movie. It isn't. And and it, you know, they tried to recreate it with the pigeon lady in the second one. To me, it's it, just not as good. No, but oh, it is as good. No, no I no. don't think it is. Yes, I, it is. I, 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 listen to me. I'm going to debate you here. 
I've been watching home, I've been watching Home Alone one and two for the last week. Yeah, on my sixty-five inch four K at the ice cream parlor. Busy and week, you've tell- had it. At I'm work telling yesterday. you, yeah. Home Alone two is equally as good. Yeah, right. It's, it's equally it's as just good. A, it's the same movie. I don't so. care. It's really. It's still really good. All right, that's fine. It, that's, I, fine. I, that's my opinion. I I really I, I get, for lack of a better word, I get pissed off when people knock Home Alone two. I, all right. Well, you all seem right. to be getting pissed off a lot lately. To be honest right. with you. Here's right, my well, number four. You, give me you, another. You, you, give me another num- one of your magical moments. Another powerful moment here, Mike. Relax. Powerful, okay. Pow- powerful, poignant, magical. What are you? What are we doing? Uh, you're going to say is that a Christmas movie? Yes. Oh, uh, here we go. Well, don't say Batman. If this is Batman Edward Returns, I'm, I'm, Ed, this is, listen we're me, ending no. this conversation right now. Edward Scissorhands. All right, I'll give okay. you. Okay. When Edward comes into the house, when everybody's looking for him at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when Nona Ryder's character says, hold me, and he tries and says, I can't, he goes to the window and she comes over to him, pulls up his arms with his scissors and hugs him. And and that Danny Elfman score, mm. that's one, maybe the most beautiful moment in the biography of film of Tim Burton. It is awesome. I love it. No, I, very powerful I, for me. I, I very can't powerful. Argue it. I can't argue. Very that. powerful. All right. Powerful. Now, my I, wife, my wife, who knows nothing. OK, I'm going to tell you point blank. I don't <laughs> care who's listening. OK, says it's even Edward her. Says, <laughs> she says it was. She, first of all, she says Edward says the hands, not a love story. Oh, Garbage. Boy. She says it's not a Christmas movie. That's why I sleep on the couch, Mike. <laughs> I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it is a Christmas movie. I it is, of that. course. I agree. It's, number- a story, it's a story of how snow came to be. You realize that, right? I got you. I got All right. you. Thank All right. you. I'm with you. I'm with you. You don't have, to, you have to convert today? me. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not quite sure, you know, uh, in top five, but that's OK. All um, right. Uh, I got home alone at three with that moment. Yeah. My number four is uh, yeah. Bill Murray's speech at the end of Scrooge. To that's be my number two. That's my number culminated two. by little Calvin finally saying his first words. And when he looks down at him, he says, you got something to say, big man. And he says, God bless us, everyone. I mean, now here's God. the thing. How much my how God. much of that scene was an ad lib? How much was scripted? We got to figure the kid's part scripted, right? Yeah, but and I think a lot of his speech was got to be. Yeah, it's got to be him. Rolling. I wonder how many takes they did that. I'd love to know that. I know I'd love to know that. You know what? If it was a Stanley Kubrick movie, it'd be 50 takes. Well, it was a Richard Donner movie. Yeah. I, how, how many? I bet he rattled that off pretty quickly. And I love I love Alfred Woodard's reaction to finally hearing her son talk. And it just, you know, it's a silly movie most of the way. But somehow when movies like that build to a crescendo and Karen Allen's there and, and he has this moment and, uh, you know, it, the music it, it, starts, I, you got a great song with Annie Lennox. You, I've done revivals of this movie with a good crowd. You feel like a million bucks when you walk out of that theater. Yeah, it's despite gotta, the fact despite the fact that Scrooge. Which was really, which came out on uh, what what year was that? that it, was, was it eighty eight or 89? eighty nine? It was nineteen eighty eight. Okay, eighty eight. It's wildly overproduced. Yeah, it, yeah you, it's too you, much you, money you, in it. There's way too, too much, much money. In it's it. too yeah. much money, and you can see it, right? Yeah. And it has flaws. It's not perfect, but it has Bill Murray. It has the same. It has the Christmas Carol concept, but that ending. Is you feel really good in that ending? Well, and then it you works. got you got Annie Lennox and Al Green at the end. Put a little love in your and heart. Bobcat's and really good. Bobcat's funny in it too. Is a Cratchit basically, and uh, uh, it, it's a uh, it, it's great stuff. Um, that was my number four. So you jumped to two. So what's your three? Here's my three. 
It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> end of White Christmas. Right. 1954. Bing Crosby, Danny Kay put on a surprise Christmas show to save the General's Lodge. And General Waverly walks in. Right. I get choked. I get choked. That's that's a good one. That's a real good one. I mean, I get choked. That that scene scene has that scene has power. I mean, I I screened this movie for 150 people. Right. One year. It's about four years ago. And I I got I'm going to be honest with you. Full disclosure, I never saw the movie before in its entirety. Before wow. that, wow! I, I was pleasantly surprised how much this movie affected me. I That's loved great. it, That's and that scene—that scene had power. I loved that scene. Yeah, um, and it, and it, and it really it really envelops the true meaning of Christmas, which is to care and connect and help each other. Right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, and it works. Um, well, my number two is about caring and connecting and a lot of different love stories, caring and connecting. I couldn't have in a lot of different ways. But to me, the best part of love actually is when the little boy finally catches up to the girl. Oh, and, awesome. And Liam Neeson's waiting. How good is that score? How good is that score? Great score by uh, and, and, and when he comes out and uh, the kid just points up the one and runs to Liam Neeson and they hug and the score. I mean, there's a lot of great scenes in that movie, but that is the heart and soul of that movie is the relationship between those two. I agree. Um, and, you know, we talked about this last week when, we were, when uh, on a different uh, topic, but this movie, I brought this movie up. What a ballsy movie, Mike. Yeah, it is. We yeah, we talk a lot of times about it's very R rated movie, very, very R rated and a lot of storylines. It, it dances. It dances many tones. Yeah. And has yeah. the guts to, and the spine to do it. And it, it's a great movie, a movie like that, that would have so many different stuff like that. But at the end, have the guts to have a little kid jump in the arms of a stepdad. I mean, and that's the crescendo of the film. I mean, that, it's unbelievable uh, how and I, I would imagine we both have the same movie in our number one. I wonder if we have the same moment as our. number I'm gonna, one. OK, it's a wonderful life for me, right? That's mine, too. Yeah. OK, it's the Zuzu pedals when he discovers that he gets his life is reborn on the bridge and he's running through the town and he's just euphoric yeah. about getting a second chance and about understanding now that his life has true meaning yep. and he wants to embrace it. There is no movie, Mike, there is no movie that envelops and connects with the Christmas spirit. Like it's a wonderful life. There just is none. Absolutely. The ironic part about that movie, too, and I totally 100 percent agree with you, is that for about an hour and 20 minutes doesn't even take place on Christmas. And then the last, you know, half it's hour set up, so, it's a setup set up for a monumental payoff on Christmas Eve. OK, let, and, let's talk. Let's talk about this for a second. Here's what I'm going to say. Well, let me before you do that, let me just tell you my moment. Let me tell you my moment in the movie. Your moments there. Mine's just a little bit later on and mm. the scene when. uh when they're all bringing money in and all that stuff. But when yes. Sam Wainwright oh my comes God. up with the check, I agree. puts him over the top and he looks over at Donna Reed and she you, looks you, at him. You, my God, you at least he's speechless at the connection like, as between a husband man, and you, wife there. And you up. Yep. And he puts his head in his little daughter's chest just to, you know, just to smell her and realize, oh, my God, I really do have a, a one. And, you know, I what's mean, interesting when you watch that and you realize that living in 2021, America, not that I'm knocking, but I will knock it to a point. There's so much greed. Yeah. 
There's so narcissism. much there's so much narcissism. Yeah. Nobody could deny the narcissism in this country. Yeah. There's so much emphasis on materialism. You want to have a good Christmas. Listen to me, audience. You want to have a good Christmas. You connect with a, a, a fellow human being in the best way possible. Yep. Like that scene in the movie. That's what this is about. That's what life. That's what waking up in the morning. That's what it's about. No doubt about so, it. I mean, it's not about getting in. Uh, it's not about getting a brand new car. No, no. It's about connecting with another person. Exactly. exactly. Let me get my Bill Murray speech here. This is going to be about three minutes. <laughs> You're going to talk on. to the left side of the audience and the right side of the audience, too, or no? Hold we... on. <laughs> I've done that already. You didn't see it? <laughs> All right. Go through your top five <laughs> once again, and let's get Hold out of on. here. Hold on one second, Mike. <laughs> All right. Ready? Go ahead. My number five, Kevin, and the, Kevin McAllister and the old man neighbor in Home Alone. Number right. four, Winona Ryder holding Edward Scissorhands and Edward Scissorhands with that amazing Danny Elfman score. Number three, the general gets surprised at the end of White Christmas. Number two, the great Bill Murray Frank Cross speech at the end of Scrooge and the Zuzu pedals. My life is reborn moment by Jimmy Stewart. I feel good. I feel a wonderful life. I feel really good. All poignant, all memorable. My number five is James Kahn finally singing and Santa Claus flying through New York City with Ed Asner and Will Ferrell on board and Elf. I love that scene. My number four is when Bill Murray looks down at the little Calvin and asks him, you got something to say, big man. And uh, God bless us, everyone. I, I just uh, what a fantastic, fantastic scene. And it, the speech too. the whole that whole 15 minutes is just uh, incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, no doubt about it. My number three is the old man uh, and uh, Kevin McAllister's connection. Chuck, for some reason, it's just uh, th- like we said, if that if that if that storyline's not in that movie, is it a Christmas classic? I, I don't know. Uh, and my number two is when the, the young boy runs into Liam Neeson's arms after finally getting the kiss and talking to the girl he loves from school before she leaves on a plane in Love Actually. And my number one is when Sam Wainwright uh, pronounces his big donation, hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright, and just a look between husband and wife and the, I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a scene in a movie, Chuck, that portrayed unadulterated pure love than those two looking at each other and they're not even next to each other on screen. Uh, That's how good Frank Kappa did there with that scene. And that's really epitomizes what that movie's all about. No doubt about it. All right. We feel good about ourselves, right? All right. We feel good. I I think so. Yeah. We we get a lot of good advice out there for people. We end on a high note, right? That's that's what it's all about. We'll do this all over again next week, my friend. Uh, Thank you very much. Always a pleasure, Mike. And to the audience, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.
podcast by Federated Media.